grasp. She slumped back against him and he hooked the strap of the canteen over the saddle horn. We got to cool you off, he said. He rode eastward, reining his mount back and forth, covering her tracks. They continued between the red rock walls, Clay watching the rim above. It was likely that the twelve young Apaches were on their own, drunk with freedom. It was unlikely that they would head west to the open prairie. Instead, they would probably come through the canyon and head north into the sheltered rock country to reach the Green Mountains. He saw a wisp of smoke in the passage just ahead of them. Continuing slowly and cautiously through the narrow walls, he soon was in sight of a heavy spring wagon. A campfire was smoldering on buffalo chips that must have been carried from the eastern plains. Three dead men lay under the wagon. There were no horses or mules in sight. The air was stagnant with an eerie silence. Clay leaned from the saddle to read sign. Tracks surrounding the wagon were from shod horses and high-heeled boots. The prince made it obvious that five killers had followed the wagon, done their brutal deed, and then ridden back eastward. The team of horses had broken loose and headed in the other direction toward the waterhole. The wagon was choked with white dust and sand. It was apparent they had hit a sandstorm. The footprints of the woman he was protecting came from under the wagon. He rode across them several times. He leaned over into the wagon bed and took two blankets, forcing them into the woman's arms. "'We can't bury him,' he said quietly. "'If we did, the Apaches would know someone from the wagon survived. We have to make sure they follow the killers, not us.' He rode slowly alongside, but clear of the shod prince, knowing the canyon ran eastward another five miles. They had to get out of this trap. It was then he saw the little dry creek on the left wall running up through the rocks. There would barely be room for his horse, but it was away to the rim nearly two hundred feet above. The big roan was already bone-weary, but its muscles responded as Clay turned it up the narrow path. The horse fought his way up the rocks and gravel sliding and pawing upward. With great lunges he cleared barriers. The woman leaned forward, clinging to the short, fat horn. Clay bent close to her. At the top at last, his mount sweating and panting, Clay slid from the saddle. He reached up and lifted her enough to set her astride. He forced the reins into her hot hands. The sun was brutal. It's all right now, he told her. After checking the blanket shoes, he coaxed the roan forward. He followed, dragging one of the blankets over his own prints, staying several hundred feet from the rim to their left. There was little vegetation on the bluff. Scrub brush and stunted junipers were scattered over the rocks and crimson earth. They were soon near the edge of the ridge at the canyon entrance. The sun was bearing down unmercifully. At a small grove of junipers, he stopped the blue roan in the shade. The woman was gazing down at him without recognition. "'Wait here,' he told her. "'A dozen Apache down in the canyon.' She mouthed the word, "'Apaches,' without a sound. "'Last spring they arrested Geronimo,' he said, "'and Victorio surrendered. "'But a few weeks ago some White Mountain Apaches broke out. "'Seems nothing's been right since Clum left San Carlos.' Winchester in hand, he headed south on foot in the hot afternoon sun, reaching the rim of the canyon. 
Here he knelt, moving closer to the edge, then lying on his stomach. Below he could see the mouth of the canyon, where the waterhole was visible against the south wall in the shade. Beyond, the prairie spread green and red toward the western horizon. To the northwest, crimson-streaked yellow bluffs were set against a haze of foothills. The twelve Apache were mounted. Some of the horses were army. Being led were two heavy-built horses with harness marks, obviously the missing team from the wagon. The young men were not tall, but had strong bodies and great chests. Their faces were square, with high cheekbones and keen eyes. Nearly naked, black hair to their shoulders, bronze skin glistening in the sun, they were handsome men. They were also in a good mood. He watched them jostle each other. They were laughing. It was obvious that they were not particularly hunting white men this day. It was freedom that intoxicated them. They had old rifles and their bows and arrows.